episode of the Best Guard Brothers podcast. I'm Derek. And I'm Harry. And today we are going to be talking about one of the best, if not the best. My favorite, personally. Star Wars movies of all time. Episode 5, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, such a great movie. We got a lot to talk about today, folks. Um, Derek and I are absolutely thrilled to be able to talk about The Empire Strikes Back. I'm so excited, dude. Cool. Let's get into it. You're listening to the Beskar Brothers Podcast, your home for Star Wars news and more. Okay, guys, before we get started talking about Empire Strikes Back, we're going to do our Star Wars quick facts. Harry, what do you got? Alrighty. So, folks, uh, did you know that Yoda's original name was supposed to be Buffy? Buffy. Yeah, you know. That would not have been a good name. No, it definitely wouldn't have been a good name. Um, you know, Yoda, in my opinion, is the perfect name for him. Oh, yeah. And so, but can you imagine if his name was Buffy, he could, you know, have the Force and be a Jedi and also, you know, be a vampire at the same time. Yeah, yeah, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. Draw blood from you, I must. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, just a little fun fact about Yoda. Yeah, I'm so glad it's Yoda, not Buffy. Yeah, that would be so weird. <laughs> that would be. All right, Derek, what about you, man? Okay, so in January of 1977, uh, Mark Hamill got in a motorcycle accident. Mm-hmm. This was right before um, A New Hope came out. And so he his face was all scratched up, and he had some minor deformities to his face, um, which was, you know, not that good. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and you know, especially because he had just gotten this part at Lucasfilm and, you know, not at the time, but people were really excited about it. Oh, absolutely. Um, when it came out, um, and when they found out about it, they were like, oh, is he okay? You know? And so a lot of people speculate that the Wampa attack at the beginning of Empire Strikes Back was to kind of explain 
why he has a little bit of deformity in his face on his face and it's not huge but like it is a little bit of yeah, something you, you can know? notice it a little bit yeah but it's kind of a little cool fact it's kind of you know not really uh what's the word um confirmed but it is something that may or may not have yeah, been the reason it's like a why theory, basically yeah it might have been the reason why the wampa attacked luke yeah in the beginning of the movie so yeah, that was today's quick facts. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Okay, guys. So we actually did receive a response on our website survey this week, and it was perfect. It was an awesome response, and I would love to answer, you know, the question that you've asked and get into kind of what you had talked about. However, we're not going to be doing that today. We're going to be doing that tomorrow when we record our Bad Batch episode. So stay tuned for that because this goes in perfectly with what I would like to talk about and what I was excited about in this last episode and what I look forward to in the episode coming. And Harry, season two of the Bad Batch. I know, man. I'm excited, dude. Super, super stoked. I thought it was hilarious. Er, hilarious? Yeah, I guess hilarious. You know, they might be listening to our podcast, bro. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's hilarious that Lucasfilm is totally just listening in and giving me a season two when I asked for it last week. Yep. (laughs) So, yeah. May the force be with us. Right? Seriously. (laughs) You're listening to the Beskar Brothers Podcast. To be a part of the show, go to www.beskarbrothers.com to fill out a survey telling us what you want to hear, what you liked, and what you didn't. New entries will be featured in new episodes. So log on to www.beskarbrothers.com today. Alrighty, guys, let's get right into it. A brief rundown of Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. So three years after the destruction of the Death Star, the Imperial fleet led by Darth Vader places probe droids across the galaxy to locate the Rebel Alliance. One of those probes is on the ice planet called Hoth. While investigating this probe, Luke Skywalker is captured by a Wampa, but he later escapes using the Force and his lightsaber. As Luke freezes due to hypothermia, the Force spirit of Obi-Wan Kenobi instructs him to go to a planet called Dagobah to train under Jedi Master Yoda. Han Solo searches for and discovers Luke and keeps him warm against the weather until they are rescued the following morning. Alerted to the Rebels' location, Darth Vader and the Empire launch an attack using AT-AT walkers to capture the base, forcing the Rebels to evacuate. Han and Leia escape with C-3PO and Chewbacca on the Millennium Falcon, but the ship's hyperdrive malfunctions. They hide in an asteroid field while fixing the ship. Darth Vader summons several bounty hunters, including Boba Fett, to locate the Falcon. In the meantime, Luke travels with R2-D2 in his X-Wing fighter to Dagobah, where he crash lands. He meets a diminutive creature right away, and later finds out that this small green creature is indeed Yoda. Yoda decides to accept Luke as his Jedi apprentice after conferring with Obi-Wan's spirit, despite Luke's lack of patience. Later on, in his private quarters, Darth Vader receives a holographic message from Palpatine, a.k.a. Darth Sidious, who alerts the Dark Lord to a new enemy who could destroy the Empire, 
Luke Skywalker. Vader then suggests that if Luke could be turned, he would be a powerful ally. Lord Sidious agrees, saying that Luke would be a great asset, and asks his apprentice if it could be done. Vader then declares that Luke will join the Empire or die. After evading the Imperial fleet, Han's group travels to the floating cloud city on the planet Bespin, which is governed by his old friend Lando Calrissian. Boba Fett tracks them down, and Darth Vader forces Lando to hand the group over to the Empire. Vader uses the group to lure Luke, intending to recruit him by turning him to the dark side of the Force. Luke experiences a premonition of Han and Leia in pain, and, against Obi-Wan and Yoda's wishes, abandons his training to rescue them. And even though Luke had a vision of him beheading Vader in a lightsaber fight, and sees his own face instead of Vader's under the mask, this meant that he could possibly turn to the dark side if he is not fully prepared. Regardless of that, he goes on his way anyway to rescue his friends. Later on, Darth Vader has a plan to hold Luke in suspended animation by imprisoning him in carbonite. He later tests the process on Han Solo. He survives and is given to Boba Fett, who intends to collect his bounty from Jabba the Hutt. Lando frees Leia and Chewbacca, but they are too late to stop Boba Fett's departure. The group fights their way back to the Falcon and flees the city. Luke arrives and engages Darth Vader in a lightsaber duel over the city's central air shaft. Vader is very impressed with what Obi-Wan and Yoda have taught him in such little time. Later on, Vader sets fear in Luke and later cuts off Luke's right hand. He threatens Luke and tempts him to embrace his anger and join the dark side. This is the moment where Luke tells Vader that he is responsible for killing his father. But this is also the moment where Luke comes to find out that Darth Vader is actually his father, Anakin Skywalker. After Luke is offered by Darth Vader to join him as an ally on the dark side, Luke drops into the air shaft and is ejected beneath the floating city, latching onto an antenna. He reaches out through the force to Leia. Leia senses Luke through the force, and Leia and her group return to rescue Luke. The group is pursued by TIE fighters and almost cornered by Darth Vader on his Star Destroyer until R2-D2 repairs the Falcon's hyperdrive, allowing them to escape. Later on, Luke receives a robotic prosthetic hand. He, Leia, C-3PO, and R2-D2 observe as Lando and Chewbacca depart on the Falcon to find Han Solo. Awesome, Harry. Thank you so much for telling us about your favorite Star Wars movie. Absolutely. Anytime, <laughs> So uh, let's get started in talking about what we liked and what we didn't like about this movie. I don't know if there's a lot that we didn't like about the movie, but let's just start with something that we liked. Start um, kind of in the beginning. What was your favorite part? Um, honestly... Ah oh, man, that's that's <laughs> just because it's my favorite movie. It's right. Sometimes it is hard to figure out um, some things that I you know that I really liked in certain segments. But um, honestly, um, the scene where um, when Han finds Luke, I do like that. You know, because 
Han can be seen as uh, someone who doesn't really have a heart, mm-hmm. you know, you know, on the outside. But yeah, you know, he kept Luke warm. Uh, no man gosh that's so funny <laughs> no 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 it actually reminds me of a really funny joke yeah go for it um what is the internal temperature of a tauntaun <laughs> lukewarm lukewarm oh my God. <laughs> that's so that is so funny oh my gosh but anyway um the fact that he took care of him um i liked that in the beginning of the film but yeah yeah, and you had mentioned that Han Solo was your favorite character last week. Yeah, uh, for a while growing up, mm-hmm. and um, and then I had mentioned that you know he he may look like the scoundrel or look like the big bad, you know, yeah, who's scruffy looking exactly <laughs> um, guy, you know, and but when it comes down to the wire, he makes the right decision. He really does. He was about to leave. I mean, he left when they first started fighting. Um, the Battle of Yavin, mm-hmm. um, and then he came back because yep. he knew it was the right thing to do. Exactly. And then now he's on his way to, you know, pay the debt that he's owed. He owes Jabba the Hut, mm-hmm. and because you know they had run into a bounty hunter when they were hiding on Ord Mantell, um, and then um, he doesn't. He's like, "Where's Luke? Mm-hmm. Want to say goodbye to Luke? Where is he?" Yeah. Oh, he's not here. Okay, well, let me throw down everything yeah. that I've got going on and go find and go him. Go find him. Yeah, definitely did I the right thing. I think that you know shows us who Han Solo really is. He's not a bad guy. He's not the guy he thinks or he wants everybody to think he is. Yeah, he's a good guy. No, he def- he definitely. There's no question about it. But he's a hero. He is absolutely. Yep. And also, spoiler alert for the aftermath trilogy. That goes into the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like he's supposed to be doing one thing, but he makes the right decision and does does the right thing. The right thing, absolutely. So, in your synopsis, um, you mentioned that it was three years after the Battle of Yavin. Yeah. Um, so, um, in the title crawl, it talks about how they had been chased from uh, all around the galaxy by the Empire. Yeah. Um, and so did you know that they were only on Hoth for like maybe three months? Yeah, it wasn't very long. I didn't know that yet. Yeah, so it was it's it's crazy how how crazy that is. You know, they were mm-hmm. literally I mean Han Solo mentioned that he was you know, that they were on Ord Mantel, which um is a different planet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then in uh what's it called? Goodness, uh, the Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. We learn about the planet Crate and how it was an old rebel base, and so that possibly could have been a hideout while they were hiding from the Empire. Yeah, it could after have been. the Battle of Yavin, and so I, you know, we don't know. It could be, could not be. I mean, yeah, that is true. Yeah, I didn't think about that actually. Right? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's kind of weird to think, and and that's why I personally am okay with the prequel trilogy mm-hmm. is because every once in a while you get a nugget and it's just right there where it needs to be yeah you know? and exactly. it's it's just like yes yes this is star wars mm-hmm. um you know i actually am one who is okay with whatever disney lucasfilm puts out because it's star wars mm-hmm. and i'm a star wars fan yeah and so i 
don't try and critique. I just try to enjoy. That's kind of my um, kind of the way you roll with it. Yeah, I'm kind of the, I'm kind of very similar with it myself. Um, I think that I mean this is why a lot of people also think that you know with the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi because they were directed by two different people. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah, some things maybe didn't align to the way that we wanted it to, but. I still thought the stories for what they had to offer were pretty good for the most part. So yeah, you know, I've got nothing to, you know, to back against for, you know, the overall film per se. Yeah, because it's still Star Wars, man. It's still freaking good. So Star Wars, Star Wars. Yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, anyway, back to Empire Strikes Back. They had been on Hoth for approximately three months, and um, it was interesting that. They were able to domesticate tauntauns mm-hmm. yeah. in such a short time. Oh, agreed. And you know, maybe maybe they had already been domesticated, and I mean, but the whole base had to be dug out as well, mm-hmm. which also is incredible how fast they were able to yeah, do that. So that. That's time consuming, right there. So yeah. Um, so going with the Tauntauns, um, and tying it into the other indigenous species on Hoth, the Wampas. Mm -hmm. So did you know that, um, there was signs of a Wampa attack and there was actually a deleted scene of the Wampa attack. Yep. I do remember actually. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And they basically went over and the Wampas did and attacked and hurt some Tauntauns. Yeah. You can actually see... The uh, aftermath of that in in the movie mm-hmm. um, when they're when you know uh, Han is looking for Luke and he's like, "Hey, where's Commander Skywalker?" Mm-hmm. And I don't know, he hasn't checked in. Um, he goes through kind of like the Wampa, or sorry, not the Wampa, but the Tauntaun like stable area, yeah, where there's people treating injured Tauntauns, mm-hmm. which I think is cool and it's just a little nod to. You know what happened? It builds the mm. background scenery and the background story. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's just super cool. No, I I hundred percent agree with you. Uh, but yeah. Um, also, real quick with the Tauntauns, stop motion. Mm-hmm. Um, I love stop motion. I love old movies like that where it's their stop motion for different animals and things like that. I mean, we see it here with the ATATs mm-hmm. and with the Tauntauns. Um, and I, yeah, it's super cool. One of my favorite parts of Empire Strikes Back is when Han Solo's Tauntaun dies and, and it just it's oh, over. And it's just like that is stop motion. Yeah, yeah. mine's when the ATAT falls. Right, yeah. Yep, I like that. Or just a lot. when they're walking, it's just like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, so really cool things. Um, like the Battle of Hoth, super awesome. One of my favorite parts about the Battle of Hoth is when um, Luke shoots up the grappling hook and then takes down an AT-AT by himself. Uh, Yeah, that's freaking cool. Yeah, super awesome. Um, And then, um, what else? Let's see. Uh, After the uh, Millennium Falcon makes its escape um, and hides in the asteroid asteroid field. Yeah, Yeah, the asteroid field. Asteroid field. I was saying it right. Uh, Asteroid Field, they hide inside this cave, and there's a, of course, a worm in the cave. Yeah, big one. Big worm. So, if you don't know what this cave worm is called, uh, it is called, if I'm pronouncing it right, the Exogorth. Yep, an Exogorth, yep. Um, and 
I don't know if this is true, but my sister pointed it out to me, um, and she's like, she like said, "Hey, Derek, did you ever see that one part in Empire Strikes Back when they fly out of the cave and the worm almost bites them?" Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Yeah, of course." And she's like, "Well, watch." And she did this with her hand, and she just basically like came up and and bent her hand mm-hmm. or and then closed her fingers yeah and i was like holy cow does that mean that it's a sock puppet <laughs> like, is it just a sock puppet the exogorth cave worm it, it kind of look that motion kind of makes it look like it a little bit yeah and it's just like womp. Yeah. and but yeah so if you know if it was a sock puppet or if it wasn't please let us know because i would like to tell my sister whether that is, is truth her... or not not truth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, um, and then of course this is the Empire striking back, not the rebels. So let's talk about Empire, the Empire, what the Empire does to find these rebels. Um, they, or at least Darth Vader, um, hires some bounty hunters, and we can tell that the other the the guys working um, in the uh, like the Imperials mm-hmm. working on the ship are not too happy about that. Uh, one of them says something like, we can do a better job than them, or mm-hmm. something like that. Why are you hiring this scum, or whatever? Yeah. Um, but there is plenty of different um, bounty hunters. I think six, to be exact. Uh, but I'm only going to talk about four, because I don't know a whole ton about the other two. And I don't either. I mainly know about two of them. So. Right? <laughs> yeah. And so... Um, there is, I'm just going to say four because I'm not sure on the other two. So, um, you know, you tell me that I'm wrong and tell me that I'm not the best Star Wars guy, but I'm just going to talk about the four main ones, Bosk, Boba Fett, IG-88, and Dengar. Mm-hmm. So, um, and mainly just uh, the ones that I know a lot about. Whoops. <laughs> um, Bosk is a Trandoshan. Um, that's the lizard um, race. Yeah, lizard type people. Yeah, that's what and, I call them. Yeah. Right. And if you're watching the Bad Batch, um, Sid is also a Trandoshan. Yep. Um, and if you've watched the Clone Wars, Ahsoka actually gets captured by, by a tr- bunch of Trandoshans, Trandoshans. Um, who then put the their captive captives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Put their captives on an island and then hunt them. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like a rite of passage. Real weird stuff. But anyway, so Trandoshans, basically just a heightened sensed lizard person um, that is a really good hunter. Uh, Boba Fett, Harry, let's hear what Boba Fett is. No, well, all I'm going to say really about <laughs> Boba Fett is just he's one, one freaking... I don't know. He's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I like him a lot. So, as we know, Boba Fett is the clone son, but of really Jango just Fett. clone of Jango Fett. Yeah. Um, sister is Omega. Yep, sister is Omega. And brothers are the Grand Army of the Republic. Yep. No. Yeah. Yeah, he's... You no. Know, when people hear Bounty Hunter, obviously that's the first person that comes oh, to yeah. everyone's mind. Yeah. And how can it not be, to be honest? Yeah, seriously. Um, yeah, especially if you've not only watched the, the this movie and Return of the Jedi, but if you've seen, you know, The Mandalorian as well. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, 
my respect for him, especially in Mandalorian, went up oh, way yeah. high. And so yeah, just watching uh, <laughs> watching that episode where he comes in and just wrecks stormtroopers. Oh, I was clapping and cheering, awesome. even though I was by myself watching it. Yeah, I was clear, <laughs> clapping and cheering like, yeah, let's go. Yeah, Boba Fett is. I'm so glad that they brought him back, and I'm so glad that we're going to be seeing the book of Boba Fett. Oh yeah, that's right. Soon. When on he, Disney Plus, and he knocks Fortuna off his throne. Oh yeah, gosh, freaking awesome! Yeah, that was like, what? Why a big Fortuna? Yeah, and the wimpy little guy. <laughs> Why is he on Jabba's throne? Uh-huh. <laughs> that just made me oh satisfying. That's yeah. all I'll say. Yeah, and then there's IG88. Uh, we don't know a ton about him, yeah. but we do know a little bit, and we were able to see a little bit of what an IG unit droid is capable of uh, in IG11, which was the um, reprogrammed nursing droid in the Mandalorian. In the Mandalorian, yeah. Um, where he um, basically is pretty good with blaster and protecting that child who we later know as Grogu. Grogu, yeah. Um, and then, so yeah, and then he obviously sacrifices himself because he's got the self-destruct, self-destruct sequence, sequence. Basically a thermal detonator in his chest. Um, I don't know if IG-88 had one of those. I assume so. But it's, you know, it's a possibility that yes and a possibility no. Yeah. And then there's Dengar. Um, I don't know a ton about Dengar. Neither do I. Just, you know, about what he is as a bounty hunter. Um, I read the Aftermath trilogy where he is in, you know, here and there, not a lot. Um, he's pretty cool, pretty cool guy. He's kind of like the the uh, the founder of the Bounty Hunter Guild, as we know in um, later episodes and in The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we kind of get to know who that, who, you know, that part of him. But yeah, so those are the bounty hunters, at least the four of them. I promise I will study on the other two. And I promise I will too. <laughs> <laughs> and try and figure out those because obviously, you know, I love Star Wars. I want to know more. And, you know, we will do our best to figure out those other two. Absolutely. You know, that shock element to... Star Wars, mm-hmm. that is the the shock element. No, That's absolutely. the climax of the story, where all of the suspense is let go. Yeah, and it's led to that moment of... Everything leads to that moment. Yeah, it's, and then what does Luke do? <laughs> he jumps off into the garbage. Yep. <laughs> the garbage will do. Yep, the garbage will do. <laughs> now he declines his father's offer to join he says him. no. Crazy, but no, it's it's just interesting how, because um, obviously near the end when Luke's recovering, you know he he feels his father, yeah, and then later feels Ben or yeah. Obi Wan Kenobi, um, and I'm like, you know, Luke definitely still has a connection with Darth Vader because he is his, you know his father and son right there, yeah, you know that connection has not been lost; it never was lost. Um, and as you later find out, it never does get lost ever. Yeah. So, but no, I really like at least for me. That's 
honestly, because this is my favorite Star Wars movie, right. that's not why it is, but that definitely adds icing to the cake that you know makes it a great film for me. But um, yeah. many aspects make me. It's just a great story overall, and um, I love. I'm one that loves seeing the growth and characters. Whether it is just a single movie or whether it is like a trilogy or whether, mm-hmm. you know, multiple movies. I love seeing the growth in characters. And you do see it in Luke, especially at the end. And, oh, and you see it in Han. Yeah. A lot. So, but, nah. I'm one of those that loves the growth. Um, yeah. Yeah. How, you know, like like we like we mentioned before in the past, you know, they always end up doing the right thing and that helps you to grow. Yeah. A lot of storytelling, a lot of character growth and a lot of world building in star wars in this episode mm-hmm. um one of my favorite in fact um i just barely changed my favorite oh yeah and i'm not gonna tell you what it is until we get to that movie but um this is still number two though yeah this is literally my favorite um but yeah so let's talk about ratings Oh yeah. Well, out of 10, 10 being the best, 1 being the least best. Mm-hmm. What would you give Empire Strikes Back? An 11. <laughs> 11. No, oh, 10. I'd give it a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Um I was not disappointed in anything in this movie. And I and you know, I rewatched it again recently as well. And I'm looking at it I'm like, man, for how it was set in 1980, and for what they had, I have no flaws for this movie. Acting's great. Um, the story, the plot is wonderful. Production's awesome. Technology is great. Um, so yeah, I'd give it a 10 out of 10. Um, but yeah, what about you? I would give it a 9.9 ah, out of 10. Send that 10 out of 10 for your favorite one. I'm saving the 10 out of 10 for my favorite one, but this is... Close, Close second. second. Oh, that is fair, dude. You know, growing up, I, I, I just remember, um, cause I remember mentioning this, you know, a little while ago, uh, having them on VHS, the trilogy and the gold case, and, right? And uh, watching them, um, and I remember watching A New Hope and liking it, and then watching Empire, and I just was, I just fell in love with it even more. Empire Strikes Back is what really helped me to not develop just an interest or a liking for Star Wars, but a love for it. Yeah. Um, the story really connects with me. Um, and Return of the Jedi is definitely a great one, too. But, yeah, out of those three, Empire is my absolute favorite. Because um, I think with everybody who, who loves whether it's movies or music or books, there is a certain you know movie, book, or show in a certain series of something that helps you to not only develop that interest or liking for it, but develop a love for it. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was definitely Empire Strikes Back. Taught so many, you know, so many lessons you can learn with, you know, Luke's training. You know, learning how to grow and be patient with yourself and believing in yourself too. Yeah. You know, the fact that Yoda, you know, was able to raise. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, Luke's X-wing. Yeah, Luke's X-wing um, from the water, and Luke's like. How did you do that? And then Yoda's like, "This is why you failed." You know, yeah. You know, he didn't have belief in himself. You know, and you gotta have belief in yourself in order for you to, mm-hmm. to you know, become a powerful ally for whoever it is. I mean, talk about iconic lines. We didn't even talk about Buffy's. I mean, Yoda's. 
lines. Yeah, for real. Oh my gosh. You know, do or do not. There, there is, is no, no try. try. Absolutely. You know, that is what you. That is why you fail. You know, it's because you don't believe in yourself. You don't believe in the force. Mm-hmm. And I think we can learn from that a lot. Oh yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, you get credit for trying. Absolutely. And that's yeah. important. But like, when you give an effort that. It, it feels a bit more whiny or it feels a bit more, you know, that you're not giving your best. Yeah. That's where Yoda, I think, was trying to get. I was like, do your best. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of Thomas Edison where people were like, you've had X amount, like 200, 1,000, I don't know, mm-hmm. um, chances or tries to make a light bulb. Yeah. And you failed. He's like, I didn't fail. I created... 200 or 1,000 or however many ways, to not, ways to not make a light bulb. Yeah. And so trying is 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 good because trying gets you to succeeding. Mm-hmm. But I think what Yoda was saying was just do it. Like, Don't go into it thinking you're going to fail. Yeah. Go into it knowing that you will benefit from it, that you, that you will, will learn succeed, from it. that you will accomplish something. Yeah, you know, with because Yoda, Yoda's mindset is definitely it's in my opinion is a growth one, and he um, obviously Yoda's trained hundreds, if not thousands, of Jedi. Yeah, and so he knows certain ones will do certain things, and you know him connecting with Luke so fast. I think he already knew how Luke was gonna. How Luke is going to portray himself. The Force just does that as well. Um, but, you know, we can definitely look to Yoda as a as an example of, you know, how how to have a good outlook. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the fact that he and Ben um, highly discouraged Luke to, to leave his training and to you know, go see his friends. It's determining, what, you know, what's the better choice or what's the best choice to make. Because yeah. none of them are wrong. Nope. They're both good things to do, but which one's better and which one, or which one's the best one to do? Right. And yeah, like you said, he learned his lesson after, you know, I consider that a loss against Darth Vader, that fight. So yeah. Yeah. But we all learn on yeah. our certain ways, don't we? Yep. And I mean, you know, you got to give it to Luke. You know, he's he's passionate. Yep. But at the same time, passion. Is not the way of the Jedi. Yep. <laughs> that is fair. <laughs> but, you know, saving his friends is what he should have done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm i going to nerd out real quick. Go and, for you know, it. This podcast is about nerding out. Oh, so yeah. Go for it, bro. I, I think I'm okay here. But I do not like the Jedi Order as far as the Republic goes. Yeah. The Jedi Order that was in place was just, and you know, it's just, I don't like it. Yeah. The whole super strict rules. Yeah, I'm with you there. You know, if if Jedi were supposed to be the peacekeepers, right? That's what they were. Yeah. They were the peacekeepers. They were the people who were supposed to protect other people. Yeah, and do what it takes to protect them. Exactly, but they weren't supposed to form attachments. Yeah, and that's I'm with you there, Derek. It's like <clears throat> give them because, like, I feel that when you're a properly trained Jedi, you're free if mm-hmm. that makes sense. So why were those restrictions there for that? You know, for 
yeah. the good guys. And I, it makes sense if it's something like, you know, that could make you do something absolutely horrible. <laughs> but from what I've seen, a lot of those things, not really. But no, I'm with yeah. you there, bro. I'm with you there 100%. But like, you know, and I totally understand, you know, because it leads to yeah, other things, you does. know. The f- I mean, look at Darth Vader. Yeah. But to be honest, if those rules weren't there, if Jedi were allowed to have attachments, then I feel like Anakin wouldn't have felt like he had to keep it all hush-hush. Yeah, and he probably wouldn't have turned to the dark side. And then he would have gone to the council and, you know, talked about, you know, you know, he would have had a public a wedding. Council, yeah. <laughs> he would have had his wedding in the council chambers, you yeah. know, and Yoda would have performed it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Obi-Wan would have been his best man and Ahsoka would have been the bridesmaid, yeah. you know, like it would have been so much R2 better. the ring bearer. No. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and C-3PO would have been... Oh, turned yeah. off. Yeah, turned <laughs> off. Oh, for real. That's the one thing I love that Han does. Cause he's like, somebody turn him off. Yeah. Because I'm like, okay, folks, I love C-3PO as a character throughout the whole Star Wars thing, but there are some times where I wish he would just shut up, if I'm being 100% honest. But he is a vital character throughout the, the series. My favorite line that C-3PO has ever said was in um, Rise of Skywalker. When they fall into that giant snake pit, mm-hmm. um, and Poe's like, "Is everybody okay? Poe, Ray, R two, or whoever, or BB eight, whoever yeah, yeah. is with them." And then C three PO from behind says, "You didn't say my name, sir, but I'm all right." <laughs> uh, yep, <laughs> I do remember that. But yeah, going back to what I thought about the Jedi Council, I just, uh, I totally understand why it had to happen mm-hmm. because it's how. Darth Vader became Darth Vader. Yep. Um, but it could have been avoided, in my opinion. Yep. But we still love Star Wars, yes, regardless of, of that. But that is my my uh, opinion about the Jedi Council. <laughs> oh, that's good. But yeah, so that's probably a wrap on our uh podcast episode about the most fantastic episode episode five the empire strikes back yep um we will be talking about the bad batch in uh tomorrow's episode we're going to be talking about the brand new episode that's coming out here pretty soon so literally on our timetable one minute from now yep it is 1 a.m right where we're at and we are in um mountain time so we are going to sign off maybe catch some bad batch before we go to bed and we will see you guys as soon as that episode gets published yeah heck yeah man so till next time may the force be with you always all right, so uh, the next thing that we want to talk about from Empire is uh, Luke's dinner that he eats on Dagobah. Yeah. Or that technically Yoda starts eating from him anyway. <laughs> but um, So what was in uh, Luke's dinner? Um, so inside of Luke's dinner was some mixed nuts and mint and orange Tic Tacs, sesame sticks, and then crackers, and basically it was airline food. Yeah, and that's what that's a direct, almost a direct quote from 
um, Sir Mark Hamill himself. Yeah, and <laughs> it's funny because, as you can see later on, um, when Yoda goes to, to Luke and he says, how do you get so big eating food of this kind? You know, because if you already eat Tic Tacs and Sesame Sticks, you know, you ain't going to get big at all. I mean, you know, I'm all for the, you know, occasional Tic Tac, but, <laughs> you know, eating it for dinner? Right? And I mean, yes, it was his dinner because he obviously said, hey, that's my dinner. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah for real. Oh, my gosh. And so, but yeah, Luke's dinner definitely didn't contain probably the most nutrients that a proper Jedi should have. But, I mean, obviously, it's Star Wars. It's space food. That's yep. why they gave it to him. Exactly. But, I mean, eh, you know, he didn't really eat all of it. I can promise you that. Oh, yeah. But, you know, now we know what it is. Yeah, now we know what a it is. A pe- little piece of trivia. Absolutely. Um, so, while Luke is eating his sesame sticks and Tic Tacs, um, we find, of course, Han Solo, Leia, Chewbacca, and 3PO on their way to Bespin, and uh, one of my favorite ships growing up as a kid was the Cloud, Cloud Cars. And um, you might think, oh, Derek's dumb. Why is he liking Cloud Cars? <laughs> I liked them. You know, one of the one. Of, I can't remember where it was that I was. I was as a kid, but I remember playing with toys, old Star Wars toys, and it was the Cloud Car toys. I wish I could. I wish I knew where that was, where those were, because those things are awesome. Oh, I never had them as toys. That's cool, yeah. actually. Yeah, but no, oh, cloud cars are, you know, especially when you're a little kid. Everything looks cool, Star Wars, but yeah, yeah. So, um, and you know, cloud cars do have blasters on them, mm-hmm. and you know, they're pretty. I I like them. I think they're fun. Um, if you've played the Battlefront Two uh, video game story, um, you you'll find that. Cloud cars weren't the the most liked ship out there. Mm-hmm. Um, the heroes of the story uh, infiltrate basically Cloud City, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, def- they were definitely on Bespin, um, but then we see that they um, they kind of like are like disappointed. Mm-hmm. That they have to go in a cloud, go in a cloud car. car to get out mm-hmm. because their ships were were destroyed and that was the only way out. Mm-hmm. And they had to, to basically get out to be, you know, to finish their mission. Yeah, everyone's but, preferences are different. Yeah, hence why Ray and Force Wiggins calls the garbage one the Millennium Falcon. Right, the garbage will do. Yep. <laughs> yep. So yeah, cloud cars. Still one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Next part we wanted to talk about is a probably one of the most iconic uh, parts of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the famous uh, ad-libbed line of Han Solo. Yep. And, uh, of course, that is when Leia says, I love you. And then Han says, I know. I know. <laughs> uh, when my wife and I got married... Um, <laughs> She would say, I love you. And then I would say, I know. And she'd be like, why are you saying that? (laughs) And then uh, little did I know that uh, she hadn't seen Star Wars. (laughs) And so I was like, well, we're changing that. And then as soon as that, um, as soon as that scene came around, she, uh, and you know, and Han said, I know. 
she looked at me and rolled her eyes. <laughs> oh, I remember you telling me about that, dude. And, yeah. you, and you would even say that, you know, say, oh, you're awesome, dude. You're like, I know. I know. Or, oh, that's great. I know. <laughs> so, you know, as you can tell, Star Wars has heavily influenced my life. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> no. I think one of the best parts about that as well is um, when Han said, I know, that wasn't in the script. No, it wasn't. Exactly. And, like... I know a lot of, you know, I think the general Star Wars fan knows that, but I just think it's so awesome that they, you know, they just went along with the punches and Han said that and they're like, all right, we'll keep this instead. And I'm so, and you know, I'm so glad that they kept it. And, you know, I've been to Disneyland. Do you know how many shirts say I love you? And then another one that says, I know. Disney loves that he said that. Oh, absolutely. Because they're making bank. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, who wouldn't? Right, for real. But yeah, um, yeah, it's just awesome. It is, and I'm so glad that they kept it because that's one of the most iconic lines in the whole entire movie. Mm-hmm. Other than you know, I've got a bad feeling about this. Yeah, but yeah. So continuing, um, of course, Han is frozen and taken by Boba Fett, and Luke shows up to Bespin after he sneaks away from his Jedi training um, and starts fighting Darth Vader. And it's quite a fight. It is quite a fight. I think it's interesting. Um, The little amount of time that Luke had to be trained, he was still able to fight him off pretty good. I mean, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm glad that they, you know, did say, basically, I mean... He failed. Luke yeah. failed. Yeah, he in did. His, in his fight against Darth Vader. But he did hold his own for a little while. He sure did. And so, you know, I thought it was really kind of a... As far as, you know, lightsaber battles go, it's not the worst. Yeah, you gotta hand it to him. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you gotta hand it to him. Oh, my gosh. Oh, gosh. But anyway, uh, going on with that, though, there... Um, I just think it's obviously, if anything, in my personal opinion, even though it is misquoted, it is the all most... All the time. All the time. And it's because people need context, of course. Mm-hmm. It is the most iconic movie line in cinematic history. Yes. Yeah. When, peop- when people say, Luke, I am your father, even though it's not the correct quotation there, people know it's Star Wars, even if they're not a Star Wars person. Oh, Yeah. And so, this movie right here set forth that, in my opinion, that's not what set the legacy forth, but that definitely um, punched the the final time card, if that makes sense. It really did set a great tone. Um, yeah. Um, did you know that that line was um, hidden from mm-hmm. everybody? Yep. And I, I can't remember if Mark Hamill figured it out, like, the day that they shot that. Shot. Yeah, I'm not sure how he figured it out, but James Earl Jones, I think, was the only one that, that knew, out of all the actors, at least. Yeah. I think I think the, uh, the line up until then was, like, Obi-Wan was your father, or, mm-hmm. or you know, somebody else was his yeah. father. Your father was, like, a, you know, was a trained Jedi with me and he you know whatever I don't know yeah but (laughs) yeah um also um George Lucas had almost 
not had Darth Vader be Luke's father. Yeah. And almost had the Force ghost of Anakin Skywalker show up to help Luke. Because Obi-Wan said, if you go, if you leave Dagobah, mm-hmm. I won't be able to be there with you. Yeah. And so, and so it was almost going to be Anakin, Anakin Skywalker. Um, and that's why Darth Sidious, you know, said Anakin Skywalker instead of your son. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I think that they made the right choice in having oh, yeah. Darth Vader be his father because oh yeah, that just makes sense. The emotion that was in that scene too was oh yeah, holy cow! It's crazy. So when I watched Star Wars for the first time, and you know, I didn't really understand everything. I was I was four, you know. And then when I was like seven, when I decided to, you know, actually not just you know enjoy my my guns and lightsabers as toys, but actually listen to the story. And, I, and when Darth Vader said that, I, that he was Luke's father, I was like, huh? What? <laughs> I think that's basically everybody's reaction if they, you know, fall in love with Star Wars. Well, yeah, and especially if you don't already know. I mean, like you said, it's the most iconic um, line of all cinematic history. And if you don't know that, it's kind of like... You live under a rock, basically. Exactly, yeah. It's so true. And so it's hard for people to to actually be surprised nowadays. Mm-hmm, it really is. But you gotta, like, the surprise, mm-hmm. you know, you gotta admit that that is a big surprise, or that was a big surprise when like, it hit the theater. Yeah, I was gonna say, can you imagine if we were born, in, or if, you know, if we were lived in the 80s and we saw that in the theater... Yeah, that theater would have been like we would have freaked out pretty crazily. I mean, you think you know how how crazy did the audience go when Captain America picked up the Thor's hammer? hammer? Yeah, picked up Mjolnir. Yeah, you think about the theater. If you were there, yeah, we were both there. Theater opening night, man. Yeah, it was. And if you were there in the theater, you remember how like how everybody cheered and you know. If not, there's YouTube videos about it. So. Oh, yeah, with millions of views. <laughs> yeah. And um, you got you just got to admit that it would probably be similar to that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, similar to when Darth Maul shows up with two The lightsaber double points. lightsaber, absolutely. You know? Thanks for listening to the Beskar Brothers Podcast. Your home for Star Wars news and more. Until next week, may the Force be with you.